Welcome into this edition of the Redbird Report. My name is Tom Prizman alongside Vedette Sports Editor Mike Mara. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a, a packed show, a lot to talk about, and it'll mainly concern the Illinois State football team as they get ready to take on another important contest, another road test for them, consecutive road tests now, first at Eastern Illinois. We'll talk a lot about that, but also upcoming now Missouri State, certainly a team that I think most people expect the Redbirds to handle pretty easily, but we know that last year, you think back, Indiana State was a team the Redbirds were expected to roll pretty easily on the road in September, and they failed to do so. And here we go again. This is another team that, you know, they did in Missouri State for what the low expectations were for their season. They did play an FBS opponent in Missouri pretty well, and they have the Redbirds at home. So certainly an opportunity for Missouri State to pull off a marquee win here. Obviously, the Redbirds looking to avoid that. Also, I mean, their last game, North Dakota, or one of their last games against North Dakota, ranked number 11 in the FCS. They got blown out, but I don't think you could really take that into account considering the fact that North Dakota is just heads and toes above, heads and shoulders above Missouri State, and that's not a knock on them because they do return 18 starters from last year's team, which when you look at 18 starters, I mean, granted, they were pretty pretty bad last year. I mean, 37 nothing at Hancock Stadium, Illinois State beat them last year. I don't expect it to be that way Again, I'm going to probably go on the side of the fact that Illinois State's defense might may hold them to no points or limit them to a touchdown or two. I just don't think Illinois State's going to score 37 points this time around. Because, I, again, I know we've seen them go out and put 44 points up against Eastern Illinois and 45 against Butler, but I, just, I still think it's a lack of, of good defenses that they're playing. Yeah, I think um, we, I was at that Eastern game, and it was a hot day, and... Eastern hung around there for a little bit. There was a point in the third quarter, I believe it was 27-13. Eastern had just recovered, or rather just gotten, I believe, a punt. They took over at the 35-yard line. Great field position. And then the, the Redbird defense stood tall. A huge stand for the Redbird defense. And they would go out to pitch a shutout the rest of the way. But there was a moment there where you're thinking, if Eastern scores, they had brought in the backup quarterback, Scotty Gilkey Jr., uh, a freshman from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he had seemed to get the offense kind of with some life, and all of a sudden, if he'd let another touchdown drive, it's a one-score game, and at that point, anything could happen. Obviously, the Redbirds pulled away and had a decisive victory. The Robert Gillum touchdown pretty much put it out of reach, and then a couple late scores, including by Malachi Brodnicks, who looked, again, good, very good in relief. We'll get to him, I'm sure, in a moment. But for that Eastern game, I don't think that Brock's back and company would say that was a complete performance. I wouldn't say... I would say they're probably happy with the victory, but maybe not happy with the performance in that one because it was a game where it was a little bit sloppy. The the special teams was not great for Illinois State. Especially when you look at that that blocked punt for a touchdown. And Sean Slattery missed multiple field goals in that game as well, especially a couple late that could have, when the game was pretty much out of reach, could have really cemented the victory and kept Eastern looming just a little bit. I will say the defense still looks incredible now. Again, that's an Eastern offense that was averaging just 230 yards a game, just 16 points a game. So put an asterisk next against this. But that Illinois State defense, they gave one offensive touchdown through two games. You know, the second touchdown was obviously, you mentioned, the punt block. Um, I, I think the defense is certainly going to be the ticket for Illinois State if they go to the playoffs, if they make a deep run. Um, but I still think, you know, one thing that's interesting, we talk so much about college football, those preseason rankings. If the Redbirds, if you remove the ranking and they just enter the year unranked, I think we might be looking at them just a little bit differently. We might be looking at them with a little bit more skepticism, but because the expectations were high and this Redbird team has delivered in two 
wins over two not so great opponents, we think they're they're really good. Now I think there's an opportunity for them to be really good. And I think there's a chance that they end up being a top fifteen, top ten team in FCS, but I don't think we know that yet. No, and the the big thing is, is I think I've underestimated them. When the rankings came out this summer, and I saw them sitting at number eighteen to start the year, I was kind of like. I'm going to be honest. I kind of thought, I think that's a little high. I was like, I, I don't know what somebody else may know or may see, but I thought that was a little high, especially considering when, then again, you're, we're talking about the Missouri Valley Football Conference. When the conference uh, preseason poll came out and they were predicted to finish fifth, I figured that's kind of like right where they should be. And now I've kind of flipped since the after these two games. I feel like 12, I feel like they should have, number 18 was where they should have been. And I feel like number five is, might be a little low for them. I kind of feel like they should be a little bit higher. I have, a, I have a very good feeling, or I should say I have a hunch, that they might finish third. And then if you go to South Dakota State, obviously we're talking ways down the schedule now. But if they go to North Dakota or South Dakota State and win, I, I mean, that's a big – that realistically, when you look at the Valley Conference, you're going to see South Dakota State and North Dakota State, who were co-champions a year ago, probably be one and two the entire year up until Illinois State plays them both. I don't see Illinois State having much as good as this defense is to slow down North Dakota State. Is, is it's not? I don't think it's going to be very likely. I think we're still figuring it out. Honestly, I would say I'm not sure. I think there's an opportunity for the Redbirds to be. A top ten team, even a team that competes for a national championship, but I don't think we know yet. No, and I think I think right now Redbird fans might be getting a little bit ahead of themselves. We know that Eastern is a historic program; it's a good program historically. But this season, I and I think I, I kind of hinted that on the last show. Um, I know you guys both felt it might be a little bit closer of a game. I, I talked to a few people around the program, and I done some research on Eastern, and I went back and watched some of their previous games. Um, just because I was preparing to do the broadcast for WZND, and I, I didn't see a whole lot that jumped off to me that, that made them think it was a great team. Mitch Kimball, I think, is a pretty good quarterback, but I don't think he has the offensive he's line. He's no longer at Syracuse where yeah. he's going to have those FBS you know, blockers. Although, let's not act like Syracuse is some football powerhouse either. No, but, I mean, <laughs> you compare Syracuse, Eastern Illinois, Eastern yes. Illinois is going to come in and it's going to be a blowout. Not that those two would ever match up, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think what we learned about that that Eastern Illinois teams, that offense is just not very good, period. They went to the backup quarterback, Yilke Jr., sort of a... You don't want to call him a gimmick, but certainly is not your traditional quarterback. Kind of came in and reminded me a little bit of the Tim Tebow years at Florida where he was really, especially Tim Tebow's freshman year where Chris Leak was the starter and Tebow would come in and just try to run the ball. Gilkey Jr. probably only attempted three or four passes in meaningful time. I'd have to go back and look at the stats to see how many passes. But really, for the number of drives he led, he was really not throwing the ball at all. Um, but... Despite the the talent level, the Redbird defense has looked incredible, Mike. I, I do have to say that. And back to back, I mean, you look at the two opponents they've played. Surely they're not the highest level, but 41 total yards allowed against Butler. That's about as good as the defense could have done, and, and that's even factoring in the opponent. You still have to give them credit for that. And then you count in that's an, that's a Division One quarterback there. That's a that's a Division you know that's an FBS transfer now playing at the FCS level. That's a good quarterback in Mitch Kimball. They made him look really ineffective, uncomfortable in the pocket. And I think the five sacks in the first half really stood out to me as well. And Tyree Horton is a player. He, he's going to be a big impact player for this Redbird team. Tyree Horton, I mean, kind of merged himself as, hey, I'm, I'm, everyone's looking at Dalton Keene, Alec Coker, 
everybody Devonte Harris. Every, he's like my name is about to be start being brought up in this in this on this defense. And honestly, he looked really really good again. Not much of an offensive line. Not much not much of an offense. Period. But just going, I'm going to go away from the defense here because I know we're talking about how good this defense is, and I, that's the one thing that I do want to mention just a little bit about Tyree Horton for. Redbird fans that might not know, he was a transfer from TCU. I think most people know that. But what they might not know is that he was an, a national junior college All-American, had a tremendous career at the junior college level, and by most scouting services was a four-star recruit coming out of his, his junior college and had offers from Alabama, TCU. Look at most of the Southeastern Conference. The SEC had offered him. This is a guy that was a, a top... 10 Juco player. Obviously, the Juco rankings a little bit different than the high school rankings, but a top 10 Juco player and the top linebacker by a lot of services at the junior college level when he left his sophomore year. So, I mean, this is a tremendous player to get for the Redbirds, and I, I, I still think there's some confusion over what it, what happened at TCU that led to him leaving in October, whether it was playing time, whether it was something else, but there's no doubt the Redbirds are taking advantage of whatever happened, and he's going to be, I think, a tremendous, for two years, the Redbirds hope to have him, unless he has such a good year he thinks about going to the NFL draft, but I would imagine they're going to keep him for two years, and he's going to be an impact player on that defense, someone that you have to key on every game. Well, when you look at his performance on Saturday again against Eastern Illinois, the asterisk. But he looks like if he has two years like that, he's going to go to the NFL. I don't think there's any way about it, especially when you look at who was recruiting him. I mean, I, I can say this: I covered Adam Shaheen, who a lot of our, view, our listeners might know from the Chicago Bears, uh, for two years at Ashland University. I was before this, and I remember when Adam Shaheen had his breakout game. It was against Walsh. He had a huge. Uh, touchdown run, and I remember just thinking, this is the guy that could play in the NFL. doesn't mean that it's going to happen. I think everyone has these thoughts probably multiple times a season about different guys, but for Tyree Horton, it reminded me a lot of that Shaheen game where he stepped up and had a huge performance against a rivalry opponent as well. Don't forget, I mean, as much as we've, we've, we've kind of played down Eastern's ability, that is a rivalry game. 106 meaning the Mid-American Classic, and I think that's that's really why I thought it was going to be close. I that I mean, full disclosure, I did not think Eastern Illinois was going to be very good, but I figured they're going to get up for ISU. I mean, every year that's you. We get saw up them win last year. That last year's team, while they had a win over an FBS opponent in Miami of Ohio, it's Miami Ohio. That, that was not a great team last uh-uh. year. No, and, and so I just figured at some point. I mean, and you get Mitch Kimball, who I thought. Like you said, I he I was very underwhelmed by him. I honestly expected him to play well. That may, I shouldn't even say well. I figured he'd play okay. He, uh, he okay. played he played pretty well here last year. I would say at at uh, Hancock Stadium, right. he wasn't incredible, but I thought he was solid and a good quarterback. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he looked nothing like last year. No. This year, I mean, he just looked uncomfortable the entire afternoon. Never seemed to find any type of a groove. Even when they brought him back in towards the end of the game, just never, never looked like he settled in. Never was comfortable. I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with the five sacks in the first half. I mean, if you're a quarterback and you're dropping back and you get sacked five times in a first of all in a game, if you get sacked five times in a game, you're probably going to get some happy feet in there and you're probably going to be a little bit jittery. He never looked comfortable in the no. pocket, and I would give credit to Ty, again Tyree Horton was probably a guy that did a lot of three tackles for loss as well. Horton was in the backfield the whole game, and as I said, I think he has the potential to be 
if not an NFL player, certainly a high, high-level FCS player, and the Redbirds are lucky to have him. You add in as well, Dalton Key and the rest of the offensive line. Adam Conley was involved as well, and a really nice day for the Redbirds defensively. They got Kimball in trouble. They got the Eastern Illinois Panthers in trouble. And, Mike, I, before we turn our attention to Missouri State, I want to kind of take a 35,000-feet look at this season. What do we think this goal for the Redbird team is now? 2-0, and 14th in the polls. But you have to remember... There's a lot of Missouri Valley Football Conference teams in front of them in the polls. There's seven teams in the coaches' poll from the MBFC with Illinois State ranked 12th in that one. Yeah, when I've been discussing 14, I've been looking at the stats poll. Obviously, the Redbird uh, faithful and the Redbird press (laughs) office might prefer the the coaches' poll. That's the one they're more highly ranked, but I've been referring to the stats poll. There are six teams in the stats poll, and I believe... Four in front of the Redbirds, one behind them, and then the Redbirds obviously be the fifth team in the top 13, top 14 teams. South Dakota's right in front of them. So five in the top 14 in the coaches in the stats poll for the Missouri Valley Football Conference is incredible, but it also shows you right now, you said the Redbirds might have been picked too low. According to the stats poll, they're, they're picked right where they should be. Yeah, they're right on par, but like you said, Tom, if we're looking long-term for this season, like what the Redbirds' goals are going to be, I think it almost changes after you have this 2-0 start that you expected. You expected to start 2-0. I don't think you expected to start 2-0 with a 45-0 victory and a 44-13 victory over Eastern. I, that's me personally. I don't think they expected that. Obviously, no, they, I, I think the way the defense has played has even surpassed what was pretty high expectations uh-uh. for them. Yeah. And that's that's just it. It's all summer long I kept saying this defense is going to carry them to wherever they may go. And I think that holds true. And I think that's what we're kind of waiting to see is a good defense to come in, a good opposing defense, I should say, to come in and, and truly test this offense. Because neither Butler nor Eastern was a good defense to where you could sit there and be like, you know what, yeah, we looked good today. Yeah, sure, of course you look good. You look good when you go out there and play you know, a subpar FCS defense. When you get a good defense to come in here and, and true, that's when you're going to see, okay, is it as bad as some people have said that we're going to be this year? Where are we, like, right now, there's no measuring stick. Where's I, the measuring stick? I, I, I would argue that the offense, I wouldn't even say they look great. I think they looked okay. Um, I know they put up 44 points, so we don't want to get too negative here, but there were certainly, you know, it wasn't some offensive explosion. I think it was, you said, Weak opponent, the Redbirds took advantage, but even look at like the Robert Gillum play, which is definitely it's a quick favorite. drive for for. I mean, you have if you have to if you break that up into four more plays, do you score? Do you kick a field goal? Well, I think even the Robert Gillum play is a great example where if you go back and watch that play, I remember calling it, and an Eastern player comes up from behind, and it looks like for sure he's going to punch the ball out. Gillum's going to fumble at the the fifty yard line, maybe the forty five. And instead, Gillum kind of, the guy comes, he tries to punch the ball out. Gillum sort of just kind of shakes him off and keeps running. But against a better opponent, Gillum was carrying the ball very, very loosely. And, and I that's what Spack said. Spack said he thought, Spack, and uh, after the game, uh, Spack said he thought that Gillum was going to fumble on like three or four occasions just from the 50 to the goal line. Yeah, Gillum, that was what made that Gillum play so incredible <laughs> because I kept calling it and you kept thinking Gillum's going to fall down, <laughs> Gillum's going to fumble. And that was his first career catch, too, right. to keep that in mind as well. What a way to introduce yourself to the college football landscape, Robert Gillum. But I think that play was sort of a summary of that game where it was sort of ugly, but in a beautiful way. That play <laughs> was really, really odd to watch. And Eastern arguably should have at least had him down to the 50, if not a fumble. And they could not do it. So I think 
Well, you give credit to the Redbirds and you give credit on that play to Robert Gillum for executing an 80-yard catch and run. You also have to note the opponent certainly factored in what happened. And I think now we look our attention forward to Missouri State this upcoming weekend. Redbirds get ready to hit the road and travel down to the state of Missouri. Yeah, eight. Like I said, eighteen returning starters. Again, last year's team was not very good. Finished four and seven, two and six in the Missouri Valley Conference. I don't. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what to expect. I, I've looked at a lot of the game notes. I've looked at some of their past film. I don't. I, I honestly don't know what to expect out of Missouri State, and that's probably why I'm sitting over here doing a podcast instead of in like a football office breaking down film to go out there and travel to Missouri. But eat, that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't. I, I don't think it's going to be as bad of a team as you saw last year. I I'm think, curious. You were at the weekly press conference with Brock Spack. What was he saying, not only about Missouri State but his own team as they head into this matchup? Well, he, again, he had just high praise for his defense. Again, just saying. You go out there and you hold another team to 14 rushing yards. I mean, incredible. Especially because you're putting in your second string, so they're still holding it up for a little bit. But I, I was, you know, again, second. I would just say the second string. I, I, I could be wrong. I believe they only played one series, but. The, so the, the starters did remain, to the, especially on the defensive side, remained to the game pretty long. Maybe in part because they were trying to make sure those stats look pretty good at the end <laughs> of the game. Maybe just to get that team some more reps. Um, but, I mean, yeah, the defense has been truly incredible. Yeah, so he had high praise for that. He talked a lot about how the offensive line is still opening holes. Um but then just when he started looking at Missouri State, he just said he's like their quarterback. Uh, he said it was a different guy from last year. Um, and he just said strong guy, super athletic. And the one thing he said he's afraid of is the fact that this is going to be the first time that you're going to see a quarterback who's not afraid to air it out downfield. He said this is a guy who's going to sling it and he's going to throw it for 60 yards downfield. And that's something you haven't seen. Also, I, I didn't watch the entire Eastern game. I missed probably the first quarter. But uh, the one thing I will say is Eastern didn't test him downfield at all from what I saw. And then no. Butler Butler didn't. I mean, they didn't. And Eastern, you would go back and say that um, that they had a few big plays, including a, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a deep pass, but a slant that they broke for probably 70 yards that was negated by penalties. And there was one, I believe, in the fourth quarter as well, a pretty deep pass that was negated by a penalty. So... It felt like even when the Redbird defense made a mistake, they were bailed out by the fact that the Eastern offense simply could not execute well <laughs> enough to take advantage. Yeah, and so then the other, then he looked over at the special teams of Missouri State, which he said um, is obviously headed by their return in Holloman, who is a senior this year. That's the one thing Brock's back did praise is because this guy has the potential to return every kickback for a touchdown, which I'm curious. Actually, now thinking back uh, – I wish I would have asked them what their game plan was to if they're going to kick to him or not. It sounded like they were going to, um, but he didn't. And that would be interesting. The special teams we've discussed, that was probably the biggest area of weakness. Return coverage on some returns was great. And there was a few times where, you know, the, the Sean Slattery, I believe, came up and made a tackle one time. And there was a couple times where it was a little bit dicey as well. On the other side for Illinois State, their return was pretty good. Spencer Schnell looked really, really good. Had to return all the way down to, I believe, the 7-yard line. So... The return game will be interesting for both. Schnell is definitely a big asset for the Redbirds, especially on the punt return side. Yeah, but just going back to Missouri State, so Holloman, also a receiver, um, he said those are the, he's dangerous on both the offensive side of the ball and then on special teams. And the one thing he did say, though, is he's not worried about the defense stopping him. 
He's worried about special teams. He said that's a guy who, if you kick to him five times, there's a good chance that five times he's running it back. Yeah, I mean, again, had high praise for him. Said that he believes that he should get a shot in the NFL, if not a good CFL player. But more or less, he said Missouri State is not going to be the same team that you saw last year. Um, Obviously, they're playing at home against Illinois State this year. They traveled to Hancock last year. And if I had to guess, you know, obviously I'm going to say that Illinois State's more talented because, granted, you return 18 guys, but I remember being at that game and watching that game. Uh, Missouri State just looked in shambles last year. I don't know if you caught any of that last year, but 37 nothing, and never did it appear that they had any. It, it kind of looked like they kind of looked like Eastern. I mean, this they had no sense or Butler. They just they had no, never felt like they truly had any type of a grip on what the hell to do. So I I, I think they'll put up points. I I think they'll score on the defense, which is again the Eastern scored 13 points, but one was on that on that blocked punt, which. Again, special teams is a little shaky going into week three. But looking at Missouri State, they're going to be a strong team. I think they're very physical. Their offensive line is going to be physical. They're big, um, which is what you expect. And it probably is going to be the best offense that that ISU has seen. I want to ask you about what SPAC was saying and what you're just feeling being around practice and being around this club the last few days about the offense. Because as we said, 44 points, 45 points in the first two games. On paper, it looks incredible, but I would say watching them, you can definitely tell it's an offense that's still coming into form. Markel Smith had another huge run. He looked really good. James Robinson probably had his best game as a Redbird uh, on Saturday. Maybe go back to, I think he had a couple hundred-yard-plus games last season, but for my money, that was a really great game. Got involved in the passing game, got involved in the run game, had a couple different touchdowns, and nearly had a third. He was really, really good, and you know, so I think those two guys, we've talked about the running back trio or the quartet or whatever you want to talk about, they stepped up and established themselves. But Jay Colby and the rest of the offense, you know, they look good, but they didn't look incredible against a defense that was arguably not very good. Well, there's not much. Nobody's talking about Jay Colby a lot. That's the one thing I will say. This, people are not talking about Jay Colby. Which and is it, weird because he is a he's junior quarterback. quarterback, second-year quarterback, and it felt like last year there was so much attention, so much hype around him, and now this year you don't really hear it as much. No, and that's just it. Is you're not hearing about him, which to me I think they may be realizing that, you know what, maybe we hyped this kid up. He's not as good as we thought he was going to be. He's still got a high ceiling, do not get me wrong. But even against Eastern Illinois and Butler, these are kind of the games that you expect him to light it up for like 300-plus yards. 198. He's not done that. No. 198 against Butler, 218 against Eastern. You know, the, the He's one, done more than enough to win both games, but I think the question is you were hoping to see 300 yards and four touchdowns and getting Gibbs and getting Schnell and getting Fowler and everyone else on the receiving core involved, and it hasn't been that much per se. You think about 80 of those yards came on what was a pretty simple pass to Robert Gillum, who was wide open. Um, and like you said, should have been stopped after about a 20-yard gain. <laughs> um, so you add all those in. For Colby, I do think it's a concern. He's played well enough to keep the Redbirds in games, but can he do enough in big games? Can he beat North Dakota State? Can he beat South Dakota State? And I, I think it'll be an interesting question. I you know, I know they want redshirt Christian Smith, but at some point do you wonder if, if it goes poorly, do you think about bringing him in or – much like Eastern did, and obviously I would not be necessarily saying following the game plan that Eastern had, but 
Scott Gilkey Jr., the one thing they did well was he came in was a change of pace and was able to run the ball. Malachi Brodnicks can come in and do some nice things. I was, a, once again, very impressed again. It's probably second unit on second unit, so take it with a grain of salt. But for the second consecutive, second for second game, he came out and impressed me. Yeah, I mean, he comes in as a 56-yard run or whatever it may have been. I think it might have been a little bit less than that. But then he goes in and punches in a 16-yard touchdown like three plays later. I, I, I like him. Like I said, I think, and again, I know the last time we talked about Malachi Broadnex, I brought up the Trey Roberson comparison. We also, to be fair, we probably talked a lot about Malachi Broadnex, the, the third-string quarterback, maybe a little bit too much, but we're, I think we're, both of us are big fans of his. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, I, and I, I can't, I'm going to do it again. He looks a lot like Trey Roberson. Uh-oh. I get that. I, oh no! Hey, it's a little. It's it's a small sample size, but you know what? I want I very me, much. It's a small sample size. It's like a grain of salt sample size. <laughs> but give me more Malachi Broadnex. I the thing is the thing that I I kind of like with him. He's a change of pace. What you did see when Kobe and Trey Roberson were the two with the two quarterbacks for spec. Colby didn't get a lot of snaps. Don't get me, do not get me wrong, but he got into some games. And I mean, Trey did battle a couple. Of th- he battled a thumb injury. Um, you know, Iowa. Uh, he came out in the second half, and Colby goes in, and throws two touchdowns. But all I'm saying is, that you if you inter- if you incorporate a two quarterback system, which at this point in the season, I don't know. If I don't even. I wouldn't even say a two quarterback you system. Get, I think you just need to bring in. I would see an opportunity for Bronix to come in and play two five, five snaps a game, ten snaps a game. That's what I'm saying. Get him in, like instead of just a hey, you know what? We're up by forty. Go, you know, go run all over the second string. Bring him in. Run the read option with him because I'm not gonna. I, you're not gonna run the read option with. with you're not gonna run the read option or speed option with Jay Colby. You're just not because Colby's mobile, but certainly not to that level. I mean, we saw them doing. I thought it was almost sort of amusing towards the end of the game when. Obviously, Colby was just trying to hand it off. They did do some read option. I put that in air quotations. Where Colby then would deke like he was running with the ball, and I was like, "All right, Jake, you're not. You're no one. I don't think any believes that Brock's back's going to have you running the football up 25 points in the fourth quarter of a game." <laughs> so I did think that was sort of amusing that they were trying to somewhat at least pantomime the uh, the idea, the illusion that Jake Colby was going to be running the read option. But if you had a, say a read option with Artis Henderson on one side and James Robinson on the other side of him where you could fake it to James Robinson and then run the speed option to the outside with Henderson who has great speed as well. I, That's something that, you know, again, four times a game, five times a game, I don't think it would hurt. It's a different look. It's one, a different look. One question we do have is can he throw the ball? We have not seen him really throw the ball. We have not seen him throw with any consistency and that's something where as talented as he is, I do I do wonder if defenses to see him in the game, will they just load the box up against him? And the other thing, you mentioned if he if he can throw, he's still young, a redshirt freshman. Um, in the uh, fall game, in the fall red white game, he came in. And obviously, everybody's going to play in the red white game. Um, I mean, they kind of gave him the free reign of the offense, Malachi, and he made a couple poor decisions, not only with the ball, but kind of he. From up in the press box, it looked like he, the offense was not set up right, and he didn't handle it very well. Because as soon as he, it was three and out. It was a three and out. I remember pretty vividly because I, I was like, oh, I kind of, you know, 
the first play he ran the ball, and the only one that you could not hit during the, the red-white game was Colby. All of the quarterbacks were free games. So he was running the ball and getting hit, and I was like, ooh, he, he, he's got some speed. He can move the ball a little bit. Um, but when he dropped back the pass, it, it looked like he had some happy feet doesn't look like he's got as strong of an arm as, as Trey Roberson does, and obviously not as strong of an arm as Colby does. Um, but, you know, immediately after that three and out, he looked real flustered with the offense because, I'm telling you, they weren't set up right, and he didn't handle it like a quarterback should. He kind of was yelling at him, screaming at him, and Brock's back pulled him over right away. So, I mean, that is that another reason? that You can't have that, especially now that you're entering Missouri Valley Conference play. You can't have those kind of like little outbursts that, you know, I, I shouldn't say get you guys out of sync, but you, you can't afford that because, it, you know, Missouri Valley Conference play, one series, one drive goes wrong, and you go all out of sorts, goodbye, because Missouri, we know how good these teams are. Here's what I would say. I would say you have two opportunities left before you really get into the meat of your schedule. I think we both agree that the next two weeks are game the Redbirds should win. They're certainly not gimmies, but it's an opportunity now to learn whether or not you can rely on Brodnicks and you're going to try to find some wrinkles to throw at North Dakota State. I think this offense in its current state would struggle against a North Dakota State defense, struggle against a South Dakota State defense, and trying to just find any added element, whether it's more Archie's Henderson, whether it's more Malachi Brodnicks, whether it's something else, more tight end involvement. We've seen that already be pretty successful for the Redbirds. Trying to figure out some way to get the Redbirds to take another step and take a big step forward offensively is a big key for them down the stretch. And it's something I think we'll watch the rest of the season. The other thing that I'm going to ask you, because um, I know Brock's back has talked that he said it against uh, after they played Butler. He said that the defense did not show any blitzes, any stunts. They kind of kept it real simple and just did their thing. Against Eastern, he said the same thing but about the defense. Do you think the offense has thrown the whole sink at these teams, or do you think they've got a lot more to show? Because I, I don't think – I think you know what kind of opponent you're going into. I think they probably threw more at Eastern than they did Butler, but I still don't think they showed the entire playbook. That's fair. I think that's a really good point you bring up, Mike, and I, I think that's a good point that SPAC has probably alluded to, if not come out and said in those weekly press conferences. But I, I still think it's – I still think from our side we have to talk about it. If the offense does not look great, that's a storyline. Um, I think that's a fair point for them and, and everyone. In the Kaufman football building, I think they know inside there that they probably still have more layers of the offense they can show. But we still haven't seen it. And I think that has to be shown on the field. Maybe, we're, maybe as you said, we're not going to see it next week or this week. Maybe we won't see it until October. But I, I hope the Redbirds are at least thinking about that and working on that because the offense is still, to me, a work in progress right now. Mike, what do you want to see? We're getting into prediction time. We're getting to the end of this edition of the Redbird Report. What are you hoping to see in this game for the Redbirds? What are you looking for? Ultimately, what is your prediction for this game? I want to see I, – I'm going to stray away from the defense because you know the defense can play. I want to see the offense throw the ball and have better success at it. And by that, I mean I mean Jake Colby looks good. Doesn't look shaky because that's the, the thing is for two year for a year in these two games now this season he's looked shaky and after every week you kind of come out and you're, you're I wouldn't even say he's looked sh- I think shaky might be the wrong word I would say he's looked at times good but never as good as you would want him to be as as strong as performance you're looking for you see flashes of what you hope to see but it has never been con- fully consistent and it's never been drive after drive game after game and you never had 
the same level that you can expect every game. You never know what you're going to get out of Jay Colby, and you want that consistency. I think that's what the Redbirds and Brock's back are looking for. That's what I want to see out of Jay Colby. I want to see a consistent game. This is the time to do it. A Missouri State team who is still going to struggle this year. A Redbird team who now, after two blowout victories, I think their expectations have kind of probably have gone up, if not kind of skyrocketed, because now all of a sudden you're mentioning that guy. People are talking about this team a little bit differently than you maybe would have if they just go out and beat Eastern Illinois 31 18, something like that, and then you beat Butler, you know, 35. 10. Uh, you're talking about this team a little bit differently, but the thing I want to see is Jay Colby have a solid game. You've seen the run game is, is very spectacular. Defense is good. Special teams have some things to shore up, but right now the biggest thing is Jay Colby. Jay Colby's got to find a groove because Missouri Valley Football Conference plays here now. So I want to see Jay Colby play well. My As far as my prediction goes, like I said, I think Missouri State's going to be able to put at least a touchdown or two up on this defense. Uh, I think their defense is going to come out and play physical. I think they, uh, you know, you, they're watching film just as ISU is. So I think they know what, maybe not what to expect, but they know that this offense has a lot of flaws at the moment. So I, I, I think Illinois State's going to prevail, but I think it's going to be more of a game than last year was and maybe more of a game than people – Redbird fans are predicting or would like to hear. As Lee Corso would say, closer than the experts expect. <laughs> closer than the experts expect. I'm going to go an Illinois State victory, 28-13. All right. That's Mike Morrow, the Vedette Sports Editor's prediction. Now I'll quickly sign off with mine. I think it'll be a competitive affair for a long time. I think this is a good Missouri State team, or at least I would say an improved Missouri State team, but I still think this Redbird team is too much firepower offensively for as much as we've just talked about their struggles. <laughs> there are certainly a lot of capable players, especially in that backfield for this Redbird team. The defense we've talked about has been tremendous. I would not be surprised if they get a defensive score at some point in this game. Certainly something like that would not surprise me at all. I think we can see maybe you talked about the great return man for Missouri State. I think that might keep them in the game as well, but Redbirds pull away in the second half. I have a 38-16 scoreline in favor of Illinois State. I think Missouri State does put up a couple more points, more than anyone else has put up against this Redbird defense, but by the time it's done, Jake Colby and the offense have done enough to silence the critics for another week, but leave those lingering doubts. I don't think we're going to have the Colby performance we're necessarily looking for, and we're still going to be talking next week about a lot of these same topics on on the next edition of the Redbird Report. That will do it for this week's edition of the Football Redbird Report. We'll have another edition coming up later on this week with soccer. It'll be Soccer beat reporter Nick Landy and Vedette sports editor Nate Head discussing all things concerning the Illinois State women's soccer team. So stay tuned for that one. But for this edition, for Vedette sports editor Mike Mara, I'm Tom Prizman signing off from the Vedette studio saying thank you so much for listening and have a great day.